every day I'm less and less concerned about this, the specifics of people's diets. Like if somebody's happy and they're eating a certain way, I just don't care anymore how they do it. Hey guys, it's Abel here with the Sustainable Cell Development Podcast. And here I'm happily presenting to you one of the older episodes of my podcasting journey. Uh, up until now, a lot of these older episodes were only available on YouTube, but now I decided to make them available in a podcast format as well, because even though the sound quality may not be up to standard on many of them, just like it is still occasionally a problem these days, the information and the value they provide are still really cool in my opinion and can provide a lot of nice insights to many of you guys. So this is one such episode where I'm talking to Army Leg from CompleteHumanPerformance.com. Army is a pretty fascinating guy. He is someone who has been in the fitness industry from a very young age onwards. I remember him hosting podcast episodes where he was like 17 years old, which is pretty crazy. And by now he has been a well-published figure in the space. And he even wrote articles to places like the Ellen Aragon Research Review. So I was definitely excited to have him on. And we chatted about how he got involved with one of the larger nutrition and supplement companies as a researcher and an assistant when he was only 17. And then how he eventually had to get out of it because he just felt like he was kind of forced to put his name behind BS or at least inaccurate information. So eventually he ventured out on his own and now he's running his own website and podcast and he is involved with online marketing and helping out other websites and companies that way. So he's an interesting guy to say the least. And here we actually talked about some fitness related topics, mainly about eating disorders and dieting amongst fitness enthusiasts, which is a theme that I will explore more heavily in the upcoming weeks. So it was kind of timely to republish this episode in a podcasting format for that reason as well. So I hope you'll find value in this episode and you'll enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get to this episode with Army. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, like, how did you, how could you make this work so fast? Like, how did you explode into this sphere so quickly? Like, would you just a couple of sentences on that? Like, how did that even happen? Sure. Uh, the biggest or the best answer I can give is just that I really focused on the writing and the content. Um, and I think like the fitness, the fitness industry is really built on a few different things and you have to be very good at a few of these if you want to do well and build an audience. Um, and the routes most people take are they are already some kind of personal trainer or online trainer and they rely mostly on testimonials and, uh, you know, uh, before, after pictures, that kind of thing, just previous work. And that's great. Uh, then there are people who are like fitness models or uh, bodybuilder competitors, that kind of thing, bodybuilders, and they rely largely on their appearance. And that's fine to a certain extent too. I'm not really saying any of these are horrible or bad. It's just, this is how it works. Uh, then there are people who rely on usually some kind of credential or, and most people do a combination of these, right? Um, and the people who have the be uh, biggest combination of these generally do the best and build the uh, biggest audience. So people who have like a PhD, people who are a doctor in any uh, situation or any kind of doctor, they tend to do well. And I didn't have any of that. Um, I was a skinny triathlete when I started. And so what I really focused on, and this is really why I got into it. Like my goal from the beginning wasn't, I want to be some fitness personality. I want to have a big website. It was more, I just want to write about this stuff and find out what works and what doesn't. 
or just present the evidence as it stands. Um, and so that's what I started doing. And, you know, I've been writing since I was a little kid, just short stories, that kind of thing. And when I got into fitness, uh, I, I'm also very OCD. So going through the research papers, interviewing people, that came very naturally to me. And I just did my best at making the articles really, really readable, relatable, and accurate and put them online. Right. So um, actually, I, I, like we can we can skip this topic if you don't feel comfortable talking about this. But a lot of people may not know that you've been working for I don't want to name the the authority, but for a great name in, in the kind of fitness sphere as kind of a research assistant kind of uh, kind of guy. And then you kind of moved on from there. And I think like, would you, would you mind talking about that? How did that go? How, cause you were very young at that time and, and this is a big name in the, in the industry. So would you mind talking about that experience a little bit? How did that go for you? Yeah, sure. Um, and if people want to know what the company is, you can just t Google my name and then Reddit. So army leg Reddit and you'll see a thread about it. Um, right. yeah. So I worked for a very well-known health and fitness company or it's very well-known now uh, at the time it had just started. Um, and I ended up being the third person hired at the, the company. Um, I wasn't officially an employee. I was a contractor, but I was the third person there. And really what happened is I had been writing online or writing about health and fitness online for about seven or eight months. And I asked the CEO of this company if he'd like to be interviewed on my podcast. Um, and he said yes. And we talked about it a little bit. And he offered just to buy the podcast and hire me as a writer uh, for the website. And that writing position evolved into copywriting, email marketing, social media marketing, uh, general content strategy, and a bunch of other different roles. And I ended up basically doing marketing for that company for a little while. Uh, and after about a year I left, I, you know, I think there, my boss was a great boss in a lot of ways. We didn't see eye to eye on everything and that's okay. And so I left and decided to work on some other things. Right. Okay. So, um, you, so uh, it, this was a very diplomatic answer <laughs> um and so i guess because this i think why this story is important because it can teach people a lot of important messages about kind of critical thinking because i think especially for like a very young guy when you're working for like especially just just in general for a guy who's much older than you and you know he's your boss and hiring you to do marketing and do research and and you, you've co-hosted some podcasts with this person and so how was how was the kind of uh psycholo psychologically how was that uh process for you when you realized that okay like i'm not really seeing eye to eye with this guy on some of the stuff that i get to talk about on this podcast but yet i'm made to be saying these things like how was that kind of mentally for you that process when you realize that this is not really the right place for you uh, it was like any job where you're not 100% happy. It was just uncomfortable. Um, it wasn't like there's no animosity. I don't hate the guy now. It's just we like in this again, it's health and fitness. It's one aspect of our lives that we disagreed on. Uh, and he was actually a ton of fun to work with in many ways. And he taught me a lot about business and public speaking and all sorts of other things. Um, so I'm not like I will never bash him. Um, but yeah, like it's like any job where you come in, you don't necessarily agree with your boss or supervisor about everything but you think the main things that you might disagree on, you can work out or you can deal with. And as I stayed at the job, I realized those things became more and more important to me. And uh, yeah, I, it was mostly me. Uh, my boss didn't really change that much. Um, 
it was more that I started to see less and or I started to agree less and less with what he was saying. So I changed my views as I worked for him as well. I learned more. I decided it wasn't best for me. And so I left. Um, so yeah, I would just say that it was an uncomfortable situation for probably the last four to five months or so. And it just got progressively more and more uncomfortable until I told him, you know, maybe it's best if I do stop working here. And he was very cool about it. He was, you know, I've been feeling kind of the same way that you're not 100% comfortable here. And he was great about it uh, for me leaving. Right. Okay. Awesome. Uh, now, would, do you also work with people now? Like, do you coach people and stuff like that? Uh, I've coached people off and on. Um, now, I don't coach people as a business. It's more, I have a few clients who really wanted to work with me specifically. Um, like, they read my stuff and they just wanted to work with me. And so I said yes. And so I have a few paying clients. I have just a few friends who I coach uh, because they wanted some guidance. Um, but that's not my main thing uh, anymore. I used to be more involved in it um, and had a lot more clients. But now I'm, I'm mostly focused on other projects. Right. So what, what, what kind of projects are you mostly involved with these days? Uh, right now, I haven't been doing as much writing on health and fitness. It's a lot of uh, marketing consulting for other companies. Um, so right now, I'm helping the Personal Trainer Development Center. Um, I've done some consulting and ghostwriting for other authors. Uh, I helped Spencer Nadolsky recently publish his book. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm doing a lot of work with other people and helping them get their words out. Interesting. But would you mind? I'm I'm not sure. Do you, what's your like educational or any kind of background? Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a very limited uh, formal education. I dropped out of high school after the first year. Um, so yeah, I've basically been writing professionally uh, since I was about 16. Um, and I've just been doing that ever since. Inter interesting. So so how did you get into the whole marketing kind of thing? Did you kind of pick, pick it up through internet and Googling and stuff? Or That's part of it. I would say the biggest thing, I mean, you learn a few basic things just with any uh any reading online i would say most of it was from books just uh talking to people who are really good at this stuff seeing what books influence them and help them get started and reading those and then uh just doing it man like when i started that uh my first company i basically just had to do a lot of this stuff and see how it worked um and i was really bad at some of it when i started but i got better and yeah it was basically like i'd see some idea for email marketing um or playing with autoresponders or just general uh like using social proof in a copywriting page or a sales page just seeing how you, these things worked um and doing it and that's how i learned um and then having again a mentor like my boss who could guide me through some of the stuff and how it worked and that did help a lot right and I, i've again i've had that in other situations too where just the people i work with teach me a lot too right uh actually so um <laughs> It's funny, like this kind of theme of the conversation could go on for a long time, just about your general kind of work uh, background and like how we proceed it, because it's just it's super interesting. I would be super curious to hear more about it. But um, Thanks, since since uh, you've been, you've been involved with fitness for you know, and that's kind of mostly how you've known uh, from like basically in the industry. So, I basically there are three general. Kind of big themes of your work that i followed and really interested me and one of them is kind of eating disorders binge eating that kind of topics uh the, the other one is is the book that you just published which is kind of um staying 
shape while traveling. And, and kind of the, the third one is, I guess, uh, kind of so, social life and how to kind of uh, re reconcile it with, with your nutrition plans. So I guess just because mainly that's been my focus lately uh, on the theme of eating disorders and binge, binge eating, I, I've heard your thoughts on that and I found it very interesting. Why, why do you think that there's this big disconnect between kind of the population in which it's most prevalent, which is like really physique oriented people. How, how do you think that kind of paradox can be explained? Um, I'm not sure it's a paradox that it's people in physique sports who get more eating disorders. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that's the case and it makes sense. Um, so for, you can look at it for two ways. It's kind of one of these chicken and egg situations. Um, Hold on, let me pause this. There's like a police van going outside. I don't want it to mess up your audio. One side. Oh, no, it's not that loud. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so basically, I think in some cases, or in many cases, uh, what's happening is that you have people who, they want to get really lean for whatever reason. Um, we could go on and on about the different motivations of people who are interested in bodybuilding, but a lot of it is insecurity, um, and a lot of it is genuine uh urge for self-improvement or strive for self, uh, these people, you know, they want to better themselves. And I think getting leaner uh, is a way to do that. Um, maybe they're overweight in the past, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for whatever reason, somebody wants to get into a physique sport and they start dieting down. And a lot of the information out there is um, very oriented around rigid meal plans, strict adherence to the diet, very bland uh, meal plans and foods. Um, and that's okay. All those things work to a certain extent. And for many people, that's fine. And then when they achieve their goal, they can go back to a more sustainable plan. Uh, and that's cool too. But for a lot of people, it does become very obsessive. Um, and it's easy to do that. Uh, and starvation of any kind, and that's what bodybuilding is. It's a form of uh, controlled starvation, can also exacerbate disordered eating behavior. Uh, and there's a lot of evidence behind that. Um, basically, anytime you severely restrict somebody's food intake, they will generally exhibit more food cravings, uh, more obsession with food, more obsessive thoughts about food, um, all of those things. And those are all basically just symptoms. Uh, again, you can't say like that's like bodybuilding gives you an eating disorder, but it can cause more disordered eating patterns. And that's very common. Um, and then the other reason too is that some people also who have very disordered eating habits already for whatever reason, maybe they're binge eaters, maybe they suffered from anorexia or bulimia when they were younger, they see bodybuilding as a more structured way to engage in some of those behaviors in a way that it might be productive. So um, a crass way to look at it would be that it's basically a socially acceptable way to engage in eating disorder behaviors without taking the full measures of what's required to overcome those and really stop them. So if somebody already is severely restricting their food intake and binge eating, they might see bodybuilding as, oh, like it's a, it's a safer or more socially acceptable path to engage in more restriction in a more productive way. So at least at the end of it, I'll have a great body. Um, and that rarely works out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and actually like, so for instance, let's take a bodybuilder or let's just take physique athletes of any kind who like, like you said, they're struggling with this, you know, with controlled starvation essentially. And there's a risk of, becoming a little bit too obsessive like do you think there is a general kind of 
little bit of a one-size-fits-all approach to this or do you think it's completely individual and has to be customized to each person like what approach would be will be best hmm. um i think assuming somebody starts out like let's say you have a group of 10 people maybe like three or four of them are probably going to be very healthy normal people who again i'm pulling these numbers out of my head just to give you an example but the point is a few of those people are just going to be normal people. Maybe they like played a few sports in the past. They see bodybuilding. They're like, oh, that looks cool. I'll get into it. They have a normal relationship with food throughout. Obviously, they get more obsessed with it as they go on. That's just that's unavoidable for any kind of bodybuilding competition to have some change in your behavior. But then they reach their goal. You know, they eat a lot more than they probably want to right afterwards. Again, that's totally normal. And then they go back to just lifting weights and being happy. Uh, and that happens. Like it, there are people out there who have a very healthy relationship with food and exercise and can do bodybuilding and they're good to go. Um, but I think in general, those people are the minority and most people uh, almost certainly do need a customized approach. Um, that doesn't mean they need a completely like ground up uh, training program that's built from scratch. It could mean they have you know, like whatever a template bodybuilding program and they make a few adjustments to it. Um, yeah, but I think it really depends, man, um, with people. If they're a complete beginner or they're very new to bodybuilding, you can take a template workout program and it might be perfect for them. Like most beginners or people who are starting out don't need that much customization in terms of training. Now, on the other hand, nutrition, I think, can be a lot more individual uh, just because food preferences vary so much versus you know, exercise preferences or exercise needs. Um, and that's one of the reasons, uh, why in a lot of my writing, um, I think it's important to highlight the downsides of a really strict meal plan because there are coaching services and programs out there that are built around eating certain foods, uh, like sweet potatoes, tilapia, like those are like the kind of cliched bodybuilding foods. Um, but that's how a lot of people do it. Like when they, they have a client, they give them a meal plan, they give them the training plan. And oftentimes, I think the training plan is fine. Uh, most people like that structure and that specificity. But with uh, food and nutrition, it's a lot more personal. And those things are a lot more fickle. They change much faster. And so I think that is where more customization is needed. Yeah, and, and also, I guess, where I start, like where this thought comes from is that lately I've been thinking more and more about this, that now and, and and I've talked about it in some previous episodes with other people too, that like nowadays, like if it fits your macros and flexible dieting is old, older age. And, and I do agree that for a particular personality type, that can be a lifesaver because if they know that they can have these foods in moderation, then that eliminates their craving. But for, for a lot of other people, it, it actually might be easier if they just cut out those foods, period, because... Uh, for some people like me, for example, <laughs> like having a little bit of ice cream is essentially like the dietary equivalent of getting blue balls. Essentially, it's like a little bit of a teasing, but you're not really getting the real thing. So, sure. so I don't know. Do you do? I know. I know you already also talked about it, like in general, having a lower palatability kind of diet can be helpful for some people. What do you think? Yeah, sure, man. Um, that's one of the big things that uh, I've changed. Even like, it's, dude, it's like every day I'm less and less concerned about the specifics of people's diets. Like if somebody's happy and they're eating a certain way, I just don't care anymore how they do it. Like I don't really believe there's an optimal diet. I don't, 
like, yeah, there are certain principles I think everyone should try to achieve, like eating adequate protein and that kind of thing. Uh, but even when I say everyone, it's like everyone who has a certain goal in mind of you know, bettering their physique and their performance. And not everyone really cares about that. So if we're just talking about humanity as a whole, like I honestly just don't care uh, what they eat um, as long as they're happy. Now, if we narrow that down to physique competitors, bodybuilders, yeah, like do what works for you, man. Um, like I have friends who are straight up classic like Arnold uh, diet and bodybuilder type people like the same type of programs or this like doing tons of sets and reps uh, working out every day for three hours a day eating like potatoes and steak like every meal and they're fucking happy like they love it and I'm like all right man do you like that's awesome um, so I yeah I think it you can make almost any plan work it just depends on what you want and there's no reason also that you need to stick to the same eating plan throughout the year or years of training. You can try different things and change it up too. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, I completely agree. And actually the new uh, training and nutrition pyramid that Eric Helms uh, published with some uh, with Andy Morgan and some other guys uh, that actually, that does have some kind of a nutritional periodization kind of theme. I haven't read the book, but it should be about something similar that you kind of, there are times when you're more restrictive, there are times when you're less restrictive. So with that, uh, I know you have a limited amount of time, so we now we gave a little crash course on uh, eating disorders and binge eating. Uh, actually, um, so in the beginning we talked about kind of like your your journey in the kind of fitness business, and, and I would be curious about your thoughts on. I'm, I'm sure you see that the fitness kind of sphere, and especially online kind of businesses, are getting more and more popular these days and, and it's really exploding. There are tons of people are interested in getting into this sphere. I guess a bit of a vague question, but how do you see this kind of trend? What are your general thoughts? Do you think it's for everybody? Do you think it's 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 more appealing, seems more appealing than it actually is? What are your general thoughts about this? Do you mean online training specifically? I think like, I guess, uh, online business in general, and then online fitness business in general, which is really exploding at the moment. Um, so for online business in general, I think it is going to keep growing. Uh, almost everything is moving online now, um, whether it's Netflix versus HBO. I mean, everything is becoming uh, going on to the internet. But I think at the same time, there's actually almost certainly going to be an improvement in quality over time. Uh, and that's thing, and there already has been thanks to things like Google Panda updates and uh, other crackdowns, basically, of these companies on crappy websites. Um, so you, it's much harder to get away with spammy SEO tactics and that kind of thing nowadays. Uh, and that's helped a lot. It's basically meant that the good content and the good websites have risen higher in rankings. Uh, you still get crappy stuff every now and then, but it's less than it used to be. Um, so that's business in general. With online training, that is still, I think, kind of going through its growth spurt where you have a lot more clients uh, or a lot more people interested in it, a lot more people offering it. So I think that's going to keep growing. I think just like anything on the internet, though, in maybe the next five or 10 years, there's definitely going to be um, a lot of people deciding they want to do a different career than online training. Uh, and that's cool. Like, basically, I think the people, the really good companies like Complete Human Performance, Renaissance Periodization, 3D Muscle Journey. These guys are going to stick around. Lane Norton. Uh, and then the people who are kind of wannabes are going to um, fade away um, just because they're not delivering the same quality of service. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's like 
yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, there's a lot of growth going on right now. It's just like the tech industry. And there are a lot of people who are doing great work. And there are a lot of people, even more people who aren't doing as great work. And the people who do offer great service and provide great value are going to stick around. Right. And, and, and when, when we talk about like kind of learning and thinking for yourself, but also learning from other people, uh, if we, I guess when you really on the internet, you come across a lot of great people and content from them and information about them, they essentially becoming your mentors without them necessarily knowing about it. Uh, what would you, who would you say were really influential people like just people whose blogs you've read and stuff like that uh, for you? Sure. Uh, Alan Aragon is definitely one of the big early ones um, for a number of reasons. Number one, his content was uh, very similar to the kind of stuff I wanted to write. So um, this is a tip for any writer, but if you want to work as a writer, you should read the kind of writing that you want to write. So if you want to write uh, literary fiction, you ought to be reading a lot of Charles Dickens, that kind of stuff. Um, and if you want to write about evidence-based nutrition in a way that's relatable and easily read, you should read Alan Aragon. Um, and also just he had a very relaxed approach to it that was also uh, effective. So not just like if it fits your macros, but also like, hey, it's cool if you don't want to actually count everything and you just want to have a like, have fun. I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. Um, and so yeah, he was very instrumental in helping me figure this stuff out. And he's such a great guy who's very generous with his time. He let me write in his uh, research review several times. Um, so yeah, he was huge. Eric Helms is another one who I found through Alan. Um, Eric's been extremely generous with his time and continues to be a super smart guy who really has no ulterior motive for helping people out other than he just enjoys it. Um, so he actually, the very first article I published on Evidence Mag, which is now Complete Human Performance, he helped me edit that one and went through and made sure all the research was spot on. Um, he's done that several times. Uh, helped me edit my first book and promote that. Um, so he's been fantastic. Uh, Lane Norton's been huge. He's spared his time to help me out and get on Skype and talk about this stuff several times. Um, I mean, man, there, it's almost too numerous to count. But I would say early on, it was especially Alan and Eric who helped me out. And then since then, it's been many other people. I mean, my, one of my current bosses, um, John Goodman, has been super helpful. Uh, and then the guys at Complete Human Performance have been um, great about it, too. So, yeah, man, like... I would say if you're interested in nutrition, definitely start with Alan Aragon, though, because he was like the first guy who uh, opened my eyes to a lot of this stuff. Right. Cool. Um, now, I know you have to go pretty much uh, in any minute. Yeah. So just a completely random question to the end. Do you have any daily routine or ritual or whatever to set yourself up to a productive kind of day or anything? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. My schedule's been kind of weird recently, um, just because I've been staying up late and sleeping in a lot more. Um, but I would say one thing that always makes me really happy and just makes it easier to get everything else done is writing. Um, and again, like that's not uh, super replicable, re replicable for everybody. But for me, uh, just writing down some ideas or writing uh, a little short story or something like that really helps me uh, focus the rest of the day. Um, and I, it just helps me a lot. So yeah, I would say writing uh, for me. And if you're not a writer, uh, I would say reading. That's always helped me a lot too. So Awesome. So yeah, just if you want to give a couple of links to where people can find you and stuff. Um... Yeah, sure. Um, so my health and fitness writing, uh, any of that will probably be on completehumanperformance.com. 
And uh, my personal website is just my name.com, armyleg, uh, A-R-M-I-L-E-G-G-E.com. Um, and you can keep up with pretty much everything I'm doing there. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Army. Check out his stuff at completehumanperformance.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. You can still find this on YouTube. If you did listen to it there, then please subscribe to support the channel. Or if you listen to this on a podcasting format, then please leave a rating on iTunes. So yeah, I think that was all I had to say. And you can expect some of these older episodes to be republished in the upcoming weeks. So that should be a lot of fun. And I hope you guys will find this valuable. So yeah, thanks for hanging around up until now. And see you in the next episode. So yeah, I think that was all I had to say. And you can expect some of these older episodes to be republished in the upcoming weeks. So that should be a lot of fun. And I hope you guys will find this valuable. So yeah, thanks for hanging around up until now and see you in the next episode.